If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Aftershock is a documentary primer on maternal health that should be required viewing in every medical school and birthing center in America. The level of paternity deaths is a medical and public health crisis that isn't being addressed fast enough. However, directors and producers of the Aftershock documentary, Paula Iselt and Tanya Lewis-Lee, chronicle life in the aftermath of the skyrocketing maternal deaths happening among Black women in the United States. Now, these cases that the directors sort of analyze in the film, you understand that these are things that are preventable, but still killing women. And the two of them, along with with others who are featured in the documentary, really try to get to the source of the problem. I spoke with uh, the directors on March 13th at South by Southwest. And even though South by Southwest is over, I feel like I would be remiss not to post this discussion we had on the main podcast stage at the event. So listen in to these two directors who are on a mission to change the tide for black women uh, in maternal health. Now, if you like what you hear, be sure to hit the like and subscribe button. The Scene to Scene podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Deadline Scene to Scene podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Complex, and we are live at the South by Southwest podcasting stage. And it is 10 in the morning, and we are here bright and early and looking alive, about to talk about some serious, serious topics with uh, the directors of, of Aftershock. And please give them a round of applause. At least I will. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, 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 would it be great if you could you know, quickly introduce yourself and how you got involved in a project? Yeah. Um. Do you want to start? Or? Sure. Um, I'm Paula Eiselt, um, one of the directors and producers of Aftershock. Um, I got involved in the project initially. Um, I was drawn to the topic of maternal health um, due to my own experiences of birthing my children um, in the American system and, and what I went through. So I was, it was something that personally... Um, I had an affinity to that topic. Um, and as an artist, um, I had made films about women's empowerment, especially in the healthcare space, uh, prior to this. So through my art, it was something I'm also interested in. And um, But it wasn't until the end of 
2017 when a slew of articles started coming out really exposing um, the U.S. maternal mortality crisis to the public that I realized that we were in fact in crisis and what I experienced in the system um, really profoundly affects black women at really, really high rates. And it was when I read those articles um, that I felt like I really wanted to use my skills to help uplift these stories. Um, so I was finishing up my other film, 93 Queen, and decided after that I wanted to pitch this um, topic to Concordia Studio, where I became um, a fellow and got some development funding to start this project. Um, from the onset, I wanted to find a co-director um, to help, you know, join forces and tell a story of the scope and, you know, work with someone grounded in community. So um, at one of the first shoots, uh, development shoots were, you know, looking for the right people to to uplift in this film, I bumped into Tanya, and um, it was, I was like, you're the one. She's an incredible producer, women's health activist, and I was so thrilled to meet her, and here we are at this point, two and a half years later with our, with our baby. <laughs> um, and good morning, I'm Tanya Lewis-Lee, uh, the other co-director, co-producer of Aftershock, and you know, back in 2007, uh, the U.S. Department of, of Health and Human Services asked me to be, to be the spokesperson for an infant mortality awareness raising campaign here in the United States. Uh, they asked me, I, I've uh, written a few children's books, uh, one called Please Baby Please, and so they knew I had, and I was doing children's programming, so they knew I had an affinity for young people. And so um, with that campaign, I had the opportunity to travel the country uh, and really discover um, the health disparities in this country, right? So, um, you know, and when, when you're talking about an infant's health, you're really talking about a woman's health. Mm -hmm. And I found myself immersed in a world of women's health, specifically for black women. Uh, and, you know, I love speaking to groups of women, especially groups of black women, about our health and how we access our health and what it's like, because it's hard for everybody, no matter who you are, harder for others in different circumstances, obviously. But in those um, conversations, inevitably, I would come across, someone would raise their hand and tell a story about a woman who had passed away from childbirth complications. And this is like urban, rural, east, west, you know, north, south, and, you know, had been thinking about, I, I did a small film uh, called Crisis in the Crib about the infant mortality crisis and some of the work we were doing and have been thinking about how to tell this story about the maternal mortality crisis. Um, but, you know, was doing other work and uh, had just finished uh, my film Monster, uh, which was also at Sundance, um, when um, those articles that Paula was mentioning started coming out, right? And I was like, I really need to do this now because somebody else is going to do this story. I'm mm -hmm. going to be mad that mm -hmm. they didn't tell it the way I wanted it to be told. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I, too, was looking for someone, because it is, it, it could, it's such a huge scope, right? How do you tell the story of the U.S. maternal mortality crisis? And so it was really great to meet Paula um, and partner with her to um, come together to tell this, this story. And, you know, we have a, a really great crew of diverse, wonderful women, many, many of us mothers, uh, who come, who've come together to tell this story. Uh, you know, I, I wanted you guys to, you know, talk about it because you did better than I could have ever done to explain the project. And I think one of the things that shocked me when I saw it, because I saw the film at Sundance and it 
premiered at Sundance, right? Uh, Earlier this year. And one of the things that shocked me was, I think the film mentioned that 80% of the mortality, uh, you know, the pregnancy mortality rates in New York City were black women. Yeah. 80%? I know. It's it's the death, exactly. 80% of black women in New York City are dying of childbirth. And and 60% are preventable, right? 60% of those deaths are preventable. Mm -hmm. Right, so we can we can fix that. It, it shouldn't happen. Um, and I think you know the key is raising awareness. Number one, not just for Black women, mm-hmm. because what we know is that the community knows a lot of yeah. that there are these issues out here. Mm-hmm. But really, raising the alarm to institutions and doctors and healthcare, other care, healthcare providers out there that you know you, you need to listen to these women when they say they're not not feeling mm-hmm. right. And there's a, you know, this issue is compounded with a a bunch of other issues, including medical racism and uh, misogynoir and, you know, just poor medical health in the United States in general. And so it must have been, what was the emotional impact uh, for the both of you unraveling these fairly bleak facts because change might be coming, but it's real slow. And every day we lose in people. Absolutely. Yeah. So what was I the emotional talk? You know, um, for me, and, I, and I, I know Tanya feels this way too, um, we really got the power and the inspiration from the people that we were filming and following from the families, from Shawnee Benton Gibson, who is the guiding light of the film. And just seeing Shawnee, um, I mean, she's been activated, you know, um, before her daughter Shamani's death. Um, she's been an activist in her community in reproductive health and justice. But to see her, um, you know, push on and, and, and in, in her daughter's memory at Ignite Change, um, if, that that's the guiding force. And then, of course, um, Omari, Shimani's surviving partner, and then the partner of Amber Rose Isaac, so really, who is Bruce McIntyre, just seeing their work, um, it's kind of like if, if they're doing it, um, how can we not do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I've had people sort of describe, after having seen the film, say to me, you know, we, I was sad, I was mad, I was inspired, I was ignited, I wanted to do something. And I think, I think we went through those same emotions, right? I, and that was the, what we wanted to do with the film. I mean, it is, it is tough subject matter. It is, it is infuriating, it is upsetting. And yet, as Paula said, uh, you know, our protagonists are just such inspirational people that you you know there is hope, as you say. Mm-hmm. It's it changes coming. It mm-hmm. is slow, but there are amazing people out there who do this work every day, who are going to ensure that there is going to be a change. So so for me, um, you know, you go on that roller coaster, but I I, I come out on top mm-hmm. because I know we can make a difference in this. So we got to be, you know, we got to be ignited and ready to make some change. And it was really fascinating to see how involved the men are in the in the sort of you know activation and movement and trying to make change as Beautiful. well. There is, um, you know, there's debate about you know men and their place and and pregnancy and 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 motherhood and things of that nature. But in the film, uh, the men are taking an active role 
in in making that change. So can you talk a little bit about that as well? Well, I'll just, it takes two to make a baby. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> a, a man is necessary right, in this right. process. And I think, you know, people forget, and also often when you hear stories about black people, black women, it often feels like we're out here on our own, make it, and, and a lot of us do that. But, right. but the reality is there are a lot of really amazing men who were in there really excited to take the journey with, with their partners. Um, and what we saw with the men in our film, um, what, what we discovered, and, and I happen to be a person who's just grown up around a, a group of beautiful black men, mm -hmm. so it's not a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. But it was really wonderful to be able to showcase not only, like, what I loved is that the, the women come through the film through their men, right? You mm -hmm. get a sense of how amazing these women are just by who these men are, and to see how they also connect to one, one another and support one another throughout, how they're trying to give back to the community to make sure other families don't go through what they're going through, um, I think I find truly, truly inspirational. Yeah, and, and you know, maternal health and maternal mortality, like, these aren't women's issues, their family issues, their their human rights issues. And I think um, we often, it's not framed that way and it needs to be. And, and, you know, we do get a lot of questions about the men. And I think the surprise or just the attention to that just shows how much more representation we need on screen, especially of black fatherhood. So the response to that is like, people want to see that. Um, and that's been just such a, a joy to to be around these men and and they're just regular dads like like anyone else so um i think you know um it's this it's, it was a very organic and natural process to include them and i think it it changed even my perception because there's a history of of you know addressing mental illness and and emotional turmoil in the black community and how these men sort of, you know, come together and, and talk about these issues and show that they aren't alone um, and sort of each one reach one, bringing one in and, and you know, talking about it and creating a collective of sorts was something that was good to, to see. Um, because, you know, I grew up around the black men who were like, we don't talk about those yeah. things and we don't hug our children and we don't believe in that and stuff like that. So seeing that was really, uh, amazing and touched me, um, you know, the most. And one of the other things I wanted to talk about is like medical racism specifically. Um, do you mind if I share a story? Please, please. Um, it's not about like, well, it's a combination of things. I was in the military for a long time and I knew that I had reproductive issues that were killing me, you know, essentially. You know, I was having blood transfusions and blood problems, and, and they, you know, the military is good for giving you some ibuprofen and telling you to, you know, uh, play nice and everything. And, you know, I finally had surgery, and they were like, wow, like, you know, because I've been complaining for years. Nobody was listening to me. Nobody was trying to hear it or whatever. And I was suffering in silence and in pain and everything. And I guess because I wasn't, like, falling out on the floor, you know, crawling in, and it just didn't seem like an issue. And then uh, when they did surgery, they were like, well, you know, your, your odds of having children are low. And although I didn't, you know, children wasn't something that was in my future, the option was taken away from me because nobody 
thought to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And also, um, speaking to another incident that I had, my brother just passed away last year um, in, uh, in a nursing home. He actually went for rehabilitative, uh, rehabilitation therapy because he broke both his knees. And they were giving, I don't know if, what, if it was medication that they were giving him, but he had been complaining of heart trouble for six hours. He was saying his chest was hurting. He called my dad, 9 a.m. that morning that he passed away. He said, I'm having chest trouble. I'm asking them to transfer me. They're making me wait. They say they got to do x-rays and stuff before they transfer me or whatever. Dad calls back, 1 o'clock. They still do nothing. 2 o'clock, my dad calls. He's not picking up the phone. My brother's not picking up the phone. And they call, you know, the parent. They call my, um, my dad at 2.30 and say my brother had a massive heart attack. And uh, they let him sit there for hours, like, not doing anything. And then, you know, there was a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of legal stuff going on now. But when I watch the movie, you hear these stories about these women who are, you know, complaining. They're talking about their pain and what they're going through, and the doctors is just going. It's not even going in one ear out the other. It's just like blocked. What, what was that sort of revelation like to you? Because we hear about it, we read it, but when we are sort of face to face with it it opens up a new floodgate. So I, I didn't mean to like go on oh about it. Oh my God, but no, I'm so sorry. Uh, thank so sorry you. for all of what you, you and, your, and your brother and your loss of your brother. You know, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I think for us with the film, you know, when you hear it from other people, it's validating. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. It's not just happening to me. This is what's going on, and it's systemic. Um, I'm not the problem. The system is the problem. And I think it helps us to start, I mean, we can't bring your brother back. Mm -hmm. We can't fix your situation. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it helps us to start thinking about how, how we even approach our own medical care. How, how are we to advocate for ourselves? How, how are we set up the support, right? You talk about the brothers and their support system. And I think an overall theme of the film is support. What's the support system mm -hmm. look like? What does it look like for women who are going through childbirth? Uh, what does it look like for men after they've lost, or, or families after they've lost someone? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what does the education look like, you know, in terms of teaching people how to advocate for right, themselves? Exactly. And, you know, because we have, you know, like you both mentioned, there are people all over the country. And in certain areas, there are people with less access to resources mm -hmm. and less access to education. So how do we teach them? Yeah. I mean, 
in the birth community, um, thank God, like doulas are really becoming um, more popular and there's a lot of even legislation um, to expand doula care and have doulas be reimbursed. I mean, that's, that's not gonna fix the system, but it does give a birthing person someone there who's advocating for them so they can focus on their birth and their pregnancy and there's someone who's kind of watching the space. And I think the more of those people that are in medical institutions, um, it, it kind of holds those institutions accountable a bit. That's why they don't necessarily want doulas there because there's some there's another pair of eyes that are watching and is gonna hold you accountable. And I think, you know, Back to what you're saying of like when, you know, this revelation and like, you know, when did, you know, how did that come to be? I think, and and, and thank you for sharing your story. And um, it's just, you know, in the case of Amber Rose Isaac, everything was in her medical records. Like her neglect was documented. It's all in plain sight. And it seems the same with your brother. Like it was like in the open for, for, for six hours. Like these aren't things that are even hidden. They're just in plain sight and people are choosing not to see it, but you don't. So I think the revelation was you don't have to go look what happened behind the scenes. It's, it's right there. Um, and, and that is just profoundly upsetting. Um, but also like there's so much to do cause you see it. There, mm -hmm. There's proof of everything. It's is not people who are not making this up. This is very, very real. So, um, I, you know, I think we, we hope that, you know, with aftershock we're shining light on that and, and holding these systems accountable. So there's like the patient advocacy and the empowerment that people have to feel going into the institutions, but then there's the institutions that, you know, need to, need to fix what they're doing. And and it's funny because it's like, well, you know, and they released these statements and they said, they, you know, there was no uh, racism or discrimination involved, but then what the hell was it? Right. You just sat there and you didn't do anything. Right. So what was the reason? Yeah. You was busy, you was having lunch or something? Well, I think too, I mean, to your point about education, one of the things we talk about a lot is the idea of a patient bill of rights. Like, you know, understanding what are our rights in these systems? What, what is the responsibility of the institution to us? And then, and then understanding how to um, demand it in a, in a way. And, and, I'm, and, and what I mean about this patient bill of rights, I mean, we talk about really trying to make impact with the, with the film and talking to different people. It would, it would be great to be able to give people like a checklist when you go into the doctor and be like, oh yeah, or, or to a system like, oh no, you're supposed to do that. You owe me this. This is, this is not me asking for something that I'm not owed because that's how they will treat you right now mm. um, and they can get away with it. So I think um, in terms of education, like we really do want to figure out how to put tools in people's hands so that the people have the power, not necessarily the institution, right? And that we're really working together. I mean, what is the, and we know what it is, right? It's liability. Everybody's afraid of liability. So you can't even have a humane conversation. right? Because if you if you give a little bit, then you, there, people are afraid they're going to get sued. So how do we kind of figure out how to take that out of the picture and get down to how are we really treating human beings? You know. And is there is there any information that you you both might have about how this is being looked at on a municipal level? That municipal level, um, especially in places like New York City, where the rate of black women dying is just kind of outrageous. Um, 
is there any law, anybody, the, the city council, the assembly, or, and is anybody involved right now that you know of that is at least spreading the word? Yes. about what's happening. Yes. Like the 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 good news and and we're aftershock is not doom and gloom. It's heavy, but but we don't want people coming out of the film scared to give birth or just terrified. There's so much momentum right now um, on the municipal level, on the state level, on the government level of of birth workers coming together, legislation. Um, there's maternal mortality review committees, um, which brings stakeholders like doctors, nurses, midwives, doulas, community activists together, and they review every single maternal death um, and, and actually try to understand if it was due to racism or what the cause was. So I think there is a lot of attention to this right now. There's, you know, midwives that, cause midwives, we didn't talk about midwives yet, but they're so such a huge part of the solution because their whole philosophy of care is different from an institution and, um, and especially community midwives. So the more midwives are in this space, um, the more advocacy there is and just better dignified care. So there's so much, work being done to educate midwives, train midwives, include midwives, especially black midwives in New York City. There's there's a, a lot of that going on. So there is a lot of hope. Um, it's just taking a minute, but it's it's coming. And when we talk about hope, the, the, the center that's opening up in the Bronx, finally, because I feel like the Bronx gets neglected a lot in New York. Um, and so that facility is, opening up. Can you talk about that? Because that was like the biggest surprise and put the biggest smile on my face to know that that was opening up and in the Bronx, um, where there's the biggest lack of resources, the biggest lack of education, the biggest lack of anything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's coming. It's mm -hmm. coming. I mean, the, 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 the good news is Bruce McIntyre, who is in our film, um, um, is really working uh, with other community uh, uh, birth worker activists to bring a birthing center to the Bronx. Um, part of the issue, when you talk about you know what's happening on the local level, this is a state-by-state -state issue. Yes, there are federal laws that can help the states, but it is a state-by-state -state, uh, local issue. And so Bruce has been really working um, with the uh, with a bunch of people to try to change the laws to make it, because the way the law is now, midwives cannot be front-facing in a birthing center. So they're mm. working to change those laws, mm -hmm. working to make it easier to get a birthing center in New York. Uh, and they are, I guess, he, he's got the first hurdle. Yeah, they just, they passed this past December. They did, um, a bill was passed that now midwives can run oh, birthing wow. centers. So that was a huge step forward. The first There's, step. There, we understand there's still other hurdles to get there, sure. but it was a huge, huge step forward. And Bruce, and Bruce really what, had a, a huge uh, hand in that. Like he's really making change, and so you know they're working on getting that birthing center. And I, I have no doubt that they will. Also, a woman in the film, Nubia Martin, who uh, is a, a midwife herself, um, wanted to bring a birthing center uh, to the community. 
but opened up a community center because she's like, people are still having babies while we're waiting to mm. get this birthing center. Mm. And so while they can't actually catch babies in that facility, she is providing care um, and helping women to know about what happens with their bodies, know how to advocate for themselves. So people are finding ways, um, even though they're, you know, they have to go through, you know, different ways to get there. There's still a lot of hurdles because we just have, to, we have to start with the education and getting um, black folks to feel comfortable enough to go to the doctor, but you know we have to get more black doctors, and there's so many, there's so many. I think about it, there's so many levels to this. It's, it's complex. It is, but but it's really not so complex if we can just you know um, uh, dive down. Look again, what we show in the film is that. In the United States, the United States is the only industrialized nation that does not have integrated midwifery care uh, when wow. it comes to women's yeah, health, right. and our rates are the worst. <laughs> so, you know, for us, it's like thinking about how how do we figure out how to bring midwives into the profession to work with, alongside doctors. We're not saying get rid of OBs, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know, there is a way to do it where everybody works together so that we can have better health care in general mm -hmm. for for all people. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's Helena Grant, um, the, the midwife in our film, who gives a lot of the historical context. But you know, she she's like a revolutionary. I mean, she they she works in Woodhull Hospital, and that's one of the only hospitals um, in New York City that have fully integrated midwives in in the hospital. Um, most of uh, many of those midwives are black women, and they run the show in that hospital. Like the OBs almost, you know, work under them. And um, women from, you know, they're all the way, they're in Brooklyn, women from the Bronx come down from all over. Like Helene talks about how women will travel um, just to come to get that integrated care. Um, so it was, it was great to see how that could work, that there's a model for that. Um, and as Tanya said, like the model exists throughout the entire world, so. Uh I don't know, I'm still, Aftershock has still left me real speechless and uh, it's gonna hit home for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So thank you for your courage because it takes a lot to dive deep into something like this um, and to make something like this and to fight for something like this to be made, um, you know, to, uh, to just, you know, disseminate to the public. I wanted to open it up to questions. If anybody has a question for Tanya or Paula, any questions at all? Did you did you learn something? Uh, did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> I I really I really appreciate. You, you have a question? Yes. I, I'm curious to know after, after doing this, what what story still needs to be told? Right? Hmm. Is it is it hearing more from individual people? Experiences and then getting inside of these centers and showing the importance of the midwife, showing the importance of the doula. Like, how do we continue to put a light on the different stories, you know, that people are experiencing? You know, because I'm from Chicago, right? And so people have very similar experiences. Black women have very similar experiences. So, what what stories do you encourage people to kind of go seek out? And so, your question was basically, um, what kind of stories still need to be told and what do they think still needs to be told about what's happening in the community? That's such a great, great question because, you know, this is a 90-minute film and there's there's no way we can fit, you know, 
this whole crisis and lived experiences in one film. So, so many more stories need to be told. Um, we need to dig deeper into the history of midwifery in this country. We, we do touch on that in the film, but that, that's a whole other story. Um, stories centered on, on doulas, more about doulas specifically. There's, you know, you mentioned Chicago, like there's doula collectives and midwife collectives in major cities all all around the country that are working together to ensure better care for women. Um, anytime, you know, Tani and I, you know, in our years of working together, whenever we start speaking about this, um, maternal health in general, people just want to talk about it from conversations with um, collaborators, funders, other, other film protagonists, like everyone wants, has something to say and has been, it feels like been waiting to share their birth story, um, whether it's a good story or a traumatic story. Um, people want to talk about this. And as a culture, we really don't in America. Like the birth culture is we barely like have one. It's just go to the hospital and hope you come out alive. So um, there's so much, we need a cultural shift. So the more stories, um, the better. We just, we need so many more. And I would just add to that, that people of color need to tell their stories. You know, we need to be thinking about how we shine a light on from our perspective about what's happening. Um, you know, and, and again, we're, we work together, which is, is amazing. But I just, I just want to reiterate, because I think sometimes, historically, you know, we're so busy living the life that it's hard to take, think about how to tell the story. Um, and if we don't tell our stories, they will get told in a way that's not representative. Uh, so it's really incumbent upon us to figure out how to do that. Um, so one of the things I want to say is I appreciate that you know, you're able to tell the story. I know um, for us, um, I'm from Arizona, and we have, just by listening to what you're talking about, has similarities to our native people in Indian country. So there's a lot of that. Absolutely. It's the same. And I agree with you that you know we need to be saying these things and telling these stories and really looking more at that system as to what's going on in there and how come um, they're not working with us? Why are they not listening to us? Because you know we know from our cultures, you know whatever medicines that we have, you know there's a reason that it was given to us to be able to use in these situations. Yeah. I appreciate your comment, and you're absolutely right. I think, you know, as, as, as what I've learned, and as you hear Paul and I talk a lot about midwifery, right? Um, and I feel like, you know, I often liken it to how we've gone with food from farm to table now, right? Like, we went so far out with food, and then we realized, oh, no, we really need to figure out, like, we need to know where our food comes from. <laughs> we need to, like, have local sourced food to really, really be helpful, I mean, healthy. And I think it's, it's a little bit of the same thing when we talk about our health in general, right? And when you talk about Native communities, you know, I th and, and it needs to be supported. Like, how do we go back to a little bit, right, what we, what we did before, which was really good, actually, before Western medicine came in and told us, oh, no, you're not supposed to do that, throw that out, come into our hospitals and do it our way, which is killing us. It's literally killing us. And so I think as communities, we have to figure out, we have to find the stories to know who we were, because those stories have been hidden and, and covered up and, 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 and just thrown away, and we've got to refine those stories, go back to what really worked for us, 
uh, and reclaim that as much as we can. But again, it goes back to your, your question. We got to start telling the story so we are, remember what it is so that we can go back and do all of that. So um, I really appreciate your co comment. And I know the Native community, um, I know the issues are very similar, a uh, lot mm -hmm. of work to be done. And I, I just, you know, I just want to add that social media can be the devil sometimes, uh -huh. but it has given many people a platform to talk about and address these issues. So there is, you know, there is more platforms for people to gain an audience and speak up about the issues that are plaguing their community than ever before. And, you know, a lot of people utilize it for bad, but... It can be utilized for good exactly. for you and your community to talk about the issues that need to be addressed uh, going on. And uh, with that, uh, this was really fantastic talking to you guys. And thank you for your honestness, earnestness, and candidness uh, on the topic. And everyone, please be sure to see Aftershock. Where will people be able to see it uh, outside of South by Southwest? Is it that it will be on Hulu um, in the U.S. later this year and, and Disney Plus worldwide and Star Plus in Latin America. Fantastic. So um, you've heard it first and you know where to check it out. I recommend it. I recommend showing it to others and just sort of spreading the word um, and getting the information out there. Again, my name is Valerie Complex and thank you for uh, you know listening and coming to see us at the Scene to Scene podcast with my wonderful guest, uh, Tanya Lee and... Paula Iso. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Be sure to subscribe. It's on uh, Apple and, and Spotify. Like, subscribe, review. Thank you. <laughs>